9to5.cc. We're not working. Why should you? Thanks for listening. Hey, Montreal. Welcome back to a brand new episode of the Go Plug Yourself podcast. Sorry we're a day late on this. I was a little below the weather yesterday, but we are tremendously excited to welcome Francois Vigneault, a comic book artist, to the show. Uh, Francois works on Titan, which is his creator-owned comic, and he also works on Orcs in Space, which are, where he's the author, both of which are available from Oni Press. Uh, Francois came to the back of Grumpy's to talk with Ines and I about all things comic books, and uh, if you want to meet Francois in person, you can do so tomorrow, actually, November 13th, at the Liberty Z bookstore uh, between 1 and 3 o'clock. Francois is going to be doing some signings. So if you want to head down there and check him out uh, and check out his titles, you can do so. We talk about all sorts of stuff. Obviously, we trend a little bit into comic books on account of Francois being a comic book artist and author. Uh, but, we, you know, we do the usual. We talk about everything. Uh, sit back, relax, enjoy the show, and go plug yourself. Go plug yourself, you plug another plugger. Go plug yourself, you plug another plugger. Go plug yourself, you plug another plugger. Go plug yourself, it's time for another Go Plug Yourself podcast. I think that what you're talking about, Ines, uh-huh. is important for like screamy comedians. Like think yeah, about yeah, like, exactly. You know, like like some people who just like in the middle of the in the middle of the joke just stop and what are you doing? And just like yeah. scream, and then mm-hmm. you just like you hear the sp- the speakers crackle, yeah. and you're like, oh, cool. and it, and it hurts the sound person in the back. No, yeah, exactly. I totally get it. And then I usually say I'm pretty level. <laughs> I'm pretty. And the the weird thing is that I know as a person, like I'm sure on the podcast, I make your life hard because I I can't control my vote. But I think yeah. on stage, I am like very like steady. Yeah mellow toned and in real life i'm just like well you know yeah. anyway it's not so bad here because i can modify the, the the sound and whatnot uh ines i realized so we did you were here on the episode we did with walter yes which was our first episode back in the back of grumpies mm-hmm. you were also the co-host on the last so sorry francois but no i like it it's the inside last baseball yeah yeah the last episode that we recorded here in grumpies was with walter and walter is still in, i think in co-host he's like co-host I don't know what you would call him. Emeritus. Like, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, sh- yeah. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so it wasn't necessarily a full guest episode, but the last guest, real guest episode we recorded was with Boyd's, was with you in the back of Grumpy's. Oh, wow. So this is full circle. We did another full live circle. episode after that, but we were in the stand with Jason Grimmer and uh, the guy from the record store that was getting sued. Phonopolis? Yes. And you guys said that at the stand? Uh, I don't know where we did that at. We did that somewhere in the East End. I don't remember. I don't remember. It was a bar. You're like you staring did at me. You did it somewhere Somewhere where? In the East End. Oh, east in the East yeah. End. I thought you said it. we did that at the stand. We did that in Stephen King's The Stand. Yeah. We okay. went into great. the book great, great, great. and went there. Um, anyway, riveting stuff. Yeah, riveting stuff. Just pu- peeling back the curtains of Go Plug Yourself uh, mm-hmm. mythology. We're back in Grumpy's. And we're very, very, very excited to have uh, Francois Vigneault, comic book artist and I guess author as well, comic book creator, because Cre- you, you, you do the auteur. Auteur. Yeah. Like, Titan is you start to finish. <laughs> but then you're also the artist on uh, Orcs in Space. And one of the things, when you messaged me and I was checking it out, and I realized that both books uh, come from Oni Press, which for me, as a, uh, a, I dabble in comics fandoms, like I, I've never, I've never been a 
hardcore comics guy, but I'm absolutely a comics fan. Like, I'm not the guy who can tell you where the first appearance of whoever was. I've always been an indies kid in the 90s. And, like, SLG and Oni Press were, like, my brands in the 90s. And going all the way back to Kevin Smith writing the first Oni Double Feature, when Oni Double Features were still a thing in the 90s, and it was a Jay and Silent Bob story. And there was Jim Mafu did the original Girl Scouts run, I want to say, on Oni Press. I have a Jim Mafu tattoo on my leg. I have some original art of, that he did of a photo of my wife and I in our house. No. I'm a huge Jim Mafu fan. <laughs> Um, and yeah, and then I think Oni kind of like not dropped off, but like maybe I just stopped paying attention. And then Oni also again came back and killed it with obviously Scott Pilgrim with a fellow Canadian comic auteur, Brian Lee O'Malley, <laughs> coming in. <laughs> so when I saw that, I was like, oh man, Oni Press. I was like, that's like, I, they've been the house of like producing comics for me for like two decades. It hit your plus. buttons. Yeah, You're exactly. Like, yes, I was like, oh, I'm right. on. Yeah, exactly. That's it. So, super happy to have you on the show. I am delighted. Uh, you know, this is the I've been doing like a ton of podcasts over the last two weird years, yeah. and <laughs> this is the first time I've done it like in person with real human beings. Ooh, with you. Uh, and, isn't uh, it nice? It's, yeah. it's very weird. I mean, we have <laughs> we have like some technical gear on my on my head that I'm not used to having and yeah. you know mm-hmm. normally when I go to a bar I don't wear a mic but yeah. other than that this feels like a normal life I'm I'm I feel privileged it, and mm-hmm. it's it's so funny cuz that was at, like very much one, when the when the podcast began many years ago the sitting around at the back of a bar and having a beer vibe was always what I wanted like which other people are like let's come to a studio for a podcast I'm like but that also sucks we have to go to a special place to do yeah, this, I'm like get good sound and stuff. We have great sound. We have Inez. good. Yeah, it sounds good. That's <laughs> true. This is this is right up my alley. This is yeah. like the back room of a bar, mm-hmm. and it's like kind of quiet, and they're they're playing uh, R and B. I'm I'm right here. I'm, yeah, it's all good. Um, right. So yeah. So why are you on the show? Like, tell us about. Like, I have I have a gazillion questions, but I guess I will allow you to introduce yourself beforehand. Well, <laughs> well uh, you know, th- the reason I'm on the show is because I was like. You know, I looked at your website and I saw that the name of the show was called Go Plug Yourself. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that is what I need to do. I need to go plug myself <laughs> on a show. Yeah. So this seems like it's going to work out really well. And Hopefully. so that's why I got in touch. That's what we do. <laughs> we have people from Montreal who have stuff to plug. And exactly. Then, and obviously, uh, comic art is a huge thing. It's a thing. Yeah. How, Ines, jump in anytime. I'm going to get, because I'm going to nerd Uh, out. uh, Yeah, I have a question. Yeah, exactly. Just raise your hand and be like, hello. Which is completely (laughs) unrelated. Got it. And I hope I will be more pertinent as as the (laughs) show goes on. But have you ever had a sex shop come plug themselves? Like as a sponsor? No, just just as as a a whole interview. And it's a whole go plug yourself about butt plugs, etc. I have thought about it. I've really thought about like Or as a sponsor, you're right, that would make a lot yeah, of sense. Yeah, exactly. As a sponsor it would be pretty funny. Right. Uh no, we've never had an adult performer wait. We've had some burlesque performers, which are like uh, like fringe adult performers. But I was like we've never had any like a real adult entertainment performer or a sex shop on the show. Okay, well You wanna book it? Yeah, sure, I'll ask some people. <laughs> I'll ask around. S- spread the word. Spread the yeah, word. Yeah, exactly. Uh so yeah, how Tell, I don't know. Tell us about your books. Tell <laughs> us about, like, I, I'm saying, like, 
I have a bunch of questions, but I'll, I'll no, let no, you lay it up first. I, I really like it. Well, I'm a, I'm a comic book artist and comic book creator, as you succinctly put it at the beginning. Mm -hmm. um, I both uh, draw and write comic books. Mm -hmm. And the new one that I have out that's – it's kind of funny because it's like – a real comic book like it comes out every single month and yeah. it's in the stores and you know it's like x-man or teenage mutant wow. ninja turtles and i have to draw an issue every single month for it to come out and that one's called orcs in space mm -hmm. uh it's a new series from uh oni press as you mentioned yeah um i'm just the artist on it so i don't write it, it it's written by a whole team of writers including justin roiland who is one of the co-creators of rick and morty mm -hmm. um mm. abed and rashad gaith who are brothers and they're they kind of came up with the concept at the heart of it and michael tanner who's a comic book writer um who writes a series also called junior braves of the apocalypse yeah. and so they come up with these crazy wacky stories about basically it the thing i like about the title is that it just tells you the whole story right away yeah orcs in space yeah that's the story. That's the concept, and that's you know, if you like that idea, you're probably gonna like the comic. Mm -hmm. um, if that idea doesn't appeal to you at all, it might not be for you. <laughs> and uh, and yeah, and I draw it, and I, I I make I make it happen on the page, and then I also write my own stuff too. So I did um, a graphic novel, as they call it, mm -hmm. called Titan, which mm -hmm. uh, came out in English from Oni Press, came out in French from a publisher here in Montreal. Uh, Edition Papau, mm -hmm. and uh, that's what I do. It's weir really weird. It's what I wanted to do when I was like 12, 13 years old. I was like, I'm going to draw comics when I'm an adult. Yeah. And strangely enough, I am. I think that's always like the biggest jump for me is because I was like, I feel that a lot of 12 and 13 year olds are like, I'm going to draw comics. <laughs> and like, but I feel it's rare. And to a like lot of them sure do try. Yeah. But <laughs> exactly. I was like, I was never good at art. So it, I never had those aspirations, but I was like, I could write comics. I was, I went the the author route. You were like, I'm funny. I yeah, can do this. Yeah, I can yeah. write was, a comic book. Was there for you one one of those was like the the original drive, like the drawing or the writing, or or were they always sort of like a a single package? You know, of, definitely. Of, of I started, your dream. I definitely started with drawing. You know, like I think almost every kid draws to some level mm -hmm. or degree. Yeah. And I just never stopped. Um, and my my mom draws too. And like I feel like there's like she encouraged me to keep keep drawing and keep doing things. And you know, so and I got into I think almost every kid also likes comics. I think comics everyone just understands them. You know, you you read the newspaper comic. I'm sh betraying my age because <laughs> once upon a time there was such a thing as the newspaper and in it were comics and or just like comic books or web comics and you just get it right away. Mm. And like I think that there's something really appealing for kids just in the fact that you understand like what's going on, that you can understand why it's funny right away. And for me, it just like never stopped. And then, you know, kind of like around like 10, 11, 12 years old, like uh, again, I'll betray my age. That's like kind of when Teenage Mutant Ninja, for me, that was like kind of when Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles was blowing up and that got me into comics. You know, that was the first thing that got me into a comic book store is that I liked the cartoon of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And I went to a store cause I heard that there was a book about it. I, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not sure how old you are, but I feel we might be around a am, similar age. I am I'm 43 years old. Right, I'm 38. Oh, you both look incredibly young <laughs> for your age. I am. We don't live that hard life this. of comedy. 
<laughs> well, I'm 38, and I have a brother who's six years older, so he would be 44. So like, he was the head. He got you into everything. Well, well yes oh. and no. It, it was always like I would always like look at what my brother was doing, and then be like, I'm gonna look into this for myself. Like, like it was very much like my brother ended up, uh, like I said, slightly different age disparity, but like he ended up grabbing the Image Comics, and I, I had a very similar moment with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Almost like playground talk of being like, you know, there's comics, you know, they're black and white, you know, all their bandanas are red, and you're like, what? Like, it that's not the Ninja Turtles I know. And then you find out about the Eastman and Layered stuff, and you're like, it's another thing. Well, it know? was a total mind blower at the yeah. time. Yeah, you know, just that. You're like, wait, what? Why is? Th- why are there four Raphaels? It just doesn't make sense yeah, when yeah. you're a child. <laughs> and then, um, but it was kind of cool. Like, I actually think it's actually a cool and exciting time to get into comics mm-hmm. because, like, just the fact that when you learn about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, you're going to end up learning about these guys, Eastman and Laird. Yeah. And, like, that story is a story that didn't exist in comics. And not Well, it did, but, like, unless you were really, like, in it, you didn't get that story before yeah. that time. And that's a story of, like, creators making their own thing, publishing their own thing, putting out their own voice and their own artistic message. And to me, that was, like, mega appealing. Like, I was like, wow, I can tell a story and maybe yeah. someone will be interested in it. And yeah. I, I think that that was a really nice and fertile and exciting time to get into comics. I think that was, like, again, as a, as a reader, that was always the stuff that appealed to me the most. Like, even the image stuff, <laughs> like, wasn't great. It's hit it, or miss. Well, it, well I mostly miss, though, for being, like, they, they were all beautiful. Like almost shots fired, shots fired. <laughs> almost every single one of those, like, 90s image comics looked amazing, or at least amazing by, those, by that times that era's standards but they were like the appeal was it was a lot of like creator-owned creator-developed properties but then we realized that a lot of these dudes were not necessarily writers in the traditional sense and these stories like meandered and wandered and kind of like flipped out all over the place so that was what kind of ended up leading me as a reader into some of the more indie stuff because of the creator-owned stuff, like the Oni Press, whatever. Like, I think the big comic that I was... The comic I was most into in the 90s, Jim Mafu, Girl Scouts aside, was the Jonan Vasquez, like, Johnny the Homicidal Maniac, which is, like, both gorgeous art and everything that he wrote and hilarious and, like, batshit crazy. And the idea of... It wasn't, like, this weird interchangeable, like, it's a different guy writing, it's a different guy drawing, it's a different guy drawing again, it's a different writer, and, like, that was always the Marvel-DC mode. I never got into it. I was like, no, show me, like, a small group of people's vision of whatever they're trying to say. Or even better, a singular person's vision of what they want to say. Yeah, exactly. You know, that's the easiest way, like, because, you know, I grew up on X-Men and Marvel Comics and things like that, but, and every so often I'll get back into it, I'll be like, okay, I'm going to read, like, Mark Wade and Chris Samney are doing Daredevil. I'm going to read Daredevil. But then they'll just get kicked off the title yeah. really fast. And then, like, some other artist that I'm not interested in or some other writer that I'm not interested in is going to take over it. And so, for me, it's always been super appealing, like, that concept of the singular voice. You know, yeah. like, Jonan Vasquez, he has something to say. He's going to say it. Yeah. And he's saying it to you and to all the people who are into it. Yeah, exactly. That's it. And, and arguably, I think... Johnny the Homicidal Maniac was, and like I said, those were like the two big ones were Girl Scouts and Johnny the Homicidal Maniac. Both Jonathan Vasquez and Jim Mafut were, like, to put it bluntly, like, didn't care if it resonated or not. They were like, no, this is my thing, and it's either going to, like, catch on or not. 
You know what I mean? Like you really felt reading those things. And both of those dudes totally found their audience, yeah. right? Like of people who are going to like get tattoos of their art. Yeah, and exactly. Who are like just totally dedicated and interested in what they're saying. Yeah, that's it. So like that, that whole indie vibe has always, always been a bigger draw to me. So uh, that, that's why like, I'm really obviously happy when anything happens to a Montrealer like yourself, like <laughs> where, where, where you're making it. But yeah, but like just like the fact that you're like in there and doing that stuff again, not to diminish the majors or whatever. I, why did I just blank? Boo we, the majors. No, we had Yannick Paquette on the show. <laughs> so like we've had the DC comic guy also on the show, but he was like saying what you're like, and which I guess breeds into my next question. You're, when you get the script for orcs in space versus when you're like planning a page for Titans. So you're saying like, like I'm guessing orcs in space is like a finalized script. Do you have any feedback process or page to page? Like what's the, what's that look like when you get it? So I get a script from the guys and, um, and the other funny thing is this has all been happening in during the pandemic. So right. like, we've never met, like we didn't do Comic Con together or anything like so it's all very like at a distance you know we right. started talking a little bit sometimes on video chat or whatever but it's very um, there are lots of layers of of technology between me their creation and my yeah. creation but they send me a script and I go like my first thought each time like n- my first thought is I laugh because like they write a lot of really good jokes the stories like is appealing and I, I I dig it. I dig what they're they're putting down. And then my second thought is always like, how am I going to make this all fit on the page? Because they are very like, how to say it? They're very joke dense. Like like every single page has like a ton of like dialogue on it and a ton mm. of action. And sometimes they'll write like all this dialogue. Plus they'll also have like. 12 panels worth of images to go on the page and if you've looked at a comic book page like you may not realize but like 12 is a lot you know nine is a lot you know and and so i'm like okay how can and and it's also it's like it's not like a graphic novel either where i could say oh well let me just add like 10 pages to the graphic novel to make it yeah yeah it's a comic book it's 22 pages that's what's budgeted that's what it can be every single month so do they they, when they give it to you sorry you uh, i was gonna say do they go like Page one, this happens. Yeah. Page two, this happens. Okay, so at okay. least... I have a connected question, Okay. which is within each page even. So, like, th- is the script already divided into sort of, like, panels, or is it up to you to distribute, like, as as you draw the images, like, the dialogue so that it... Or whatever, is, whatever words are on there so it makes sense, or is that, like, something the writers write? It's, it, it's both. So it's they write it, and so their page will say, like, page five, panel one, panel two, panel three, okay. panel four. And then it's shocking to say, but I then go immediately and I ignore all of their panel directions. But this is not to say that, like, their, that, like, their panel directions aren't good. I get everything that they want on the page, but I usually just push it all aside and I say, like, how can I frame everything that they want so everything that they have is going to be in the story but is going to like work on the page because that I feel like is my expertise that I'm bringing to the table like yeah I, I often use the metaphor like I'm the director of the film for sure mm-hmm. yeah. um, and well, like you're choosing the angles of the shots and whatever. exactly but like so and so says this is it over the head is it yeah, over, like yeah, it's and, uh, and like how are we going to like frame the frame the quote-unquote the shot etc yeah. where it's do the dialogue bubbles and in like <laughs> they, so the screenplay or the script can like say oh well this is an over-the-head shot or this is a close-up or something like that and if if I if if I think that 
it's not even like that I like it, but if it's like that I think that the way that they're doing it is going to work on the page and is going to read really well, I'll just do it exactly as they said because like that I want them to be satisfied and mm -hmm. immediate like it's always satisfying when someone does something exactly the way you want them to do it. Yeah. yeah. But then at the same time, I feel also both the liberty and the responsibility to push back against like you know, if I like if I'm like, "Oh, I think we should do this in a two-page spread." And so then that means that all kinds of uh, all kinds of other stuff is going to like fit on the page or not. I think that that's totally fair and yeah. I'm very lucky I'm I'm um <laughs> I'm how do you say it I'm uh, I'm blessed with really good collaborators okay. who are really interested in So no in all no, that. no one's like taking it the wrong way or whatever No I think I think they're all good like and the, but the the thing is that I take it the right way too like if they cuz they have I I do a draft of everything yeah. send it back to them and I say like what do you guys think about all this and then sometimes they'll be like oh XYZ is really great but but Alpha beta doesn't work at all because yes. we really want this joke to land this way, or um, you're missing the point of what we want to have happen here. And right. so then I, I just make the adjustment. It's a collaboration, you know. We're right. all like on the same basketball team, and we're yeah, trying yeah, yeah, to like yeah, yeah. just get one goal. So basket. But basketball. is there anything that yeah, that's that checks out? <laughs> that's basketball. I'm very, <laughs> I'm very into sports ball. It's very yeah, cool. Yeah, exactly. We're all working together to put the ball in the basket, which yeah. is, of course, the sport of basketball. <laughs> but um, <laughs> uh, the other, I wanted to know: Have you ever like pushed for like, um, like one of the things that always blows my mind reading comics is like who and when like a splash page happens where you're just sort of like, you're like, you're turning the page and you're sort of like, oh, this was worth two pages of a giant like cover to cover. Like I just, I just throw in splash pages like whenever I can afford it. Like, and it's kind of funny, like anybody who is out there who's read my work, they're going to see like a huge difference between what I'm doing in Orcs in Space and mm. like what I do in Titan. Like Titan, there are no splash pages except like, you know, Every so often there's a page with like the whole, there's one image on a page, but there's never a spread. There's never anything like that. Yeah, but I was going to say, I was like, having read through some of Works in Space and some of Titan, like, Titan is dense. Yeah. <laughs> where, where you talked about like nine panels a page being like crowded, and we're like, you know, maybe not a ton of nine panels, but a lot of like six to eight. Exactly. It seems like they, there's a lot. Uh, to get through in it's on page. the grid yeah, yeah exactly that's it so and and then orcs in space totally different like with that one i feel like i have a responsibility to deliver the goods in a way like just fun stuff on the page and so if that means like a giant nightclub scene with like 110 different aliens in it yeah or it means like a giant two giant robots fighting in the middle of space and shooting each other with laser beams like i feel like that there's a responsibility to to just deliver the goods for the reader, you know, like right. so it's just fun. And like um, you have a crazy idea, like like the premise is a little insane, so why not deliver like the insane visuals to like go with it? Well, yeah, like it 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 it, it calls for like a lack of restraint in some ways, right? Like, and so I'm often trying to push myself. I'm naturally a little bit restrained as an artist, and I'm often trying to push myself when I'm doing the comic further and further, so mm -hmm. that there is. That the expression is more extreme, that okay. the action is more extreme, that the that the layout is more is more wild, just in okay. general. I think that, that that's worth it. And so I'm always like, every when I get the script, I'm often looking like, oh, can I do? 
I try and do like one two-page spread per issue, and then yeah. some some issues I try and be like, oh, can I put in two or three because like it's two giant robots fighting against each yeah. other in space. You're like a lot of robot fighting spoilers happening in this in this little segment yeah. of the I'm interview. Keeping it soft. Keeping it soft. <laughs> <laughs> the something else I wanted to ask about um, <coughs> was I guess like how you developed like when your your artistic style because obviously it's a it, I mean it's far cry from say like a mainstream Marvel style for me it reminded me a little bit of the like a little bit of like a Love and Rockets eight ball uh, what was the other one that jumped to mind the Evan Dorkin hectic planet stuff maybe a little more comic book but you have like a li- like to me a slightly more vintagey style stop stop you're making me blush ah, I, I'm dropping Love and Rockets and eight ball so you're like of course I no 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 it's but it's that, like that that late eighties kind of like indie art styles. You know, all those artists that you just mentioned were hugely influential on, like, the way that I draw. And regardless if I'm drawing Titan, which is, like, a more serious science fiction story, or I'm trying to draw in a more realistic way, but still I have a cartoony vibe or line, or Orcs in Space, which is just, like, kind of more on the, like, TMNT, Usagi Ojimbo, Stan Sakai kind of vibe. Yeah. No matter what, like, I'm very much influenced by all these authors that I was reading back in the 80s, back in the 90s. Um, I wrote my thesis on Jaime Hernandez, who did Love and Rockets. Right. So, like, I, I did a deep dive on him also. <laughs> um, uh, you know what? I got distracted. I was just thinking about these wonderful compliments you were giving me, and I <laughs> forgot what was the question. The, the question was, how do you, like, was that always the style that you were drawing as, like, a kid or whatever? Ah, or, right. Like, or you know, I think, no, like, I went through many years where I like wanted like my 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 Na plus Ultra was like Jim Lee, okay. and I wanted to draw like <laughs> Jim Lee, right? And I thought that like the way he drew was awesome. Like there was all the little awesome little cross hatching on things, cross hatching everywhere, man. And like you know like like metal and like like you know like the, you know, and he drew like these really bodacious babes and stuff. Yeah. And I was like I was like oh man, like Muscly that's what dudes. I want to draw. Lots of pockets. Lots pockets. of pockets. Everywhere. I mean, he was like, he was like mid-level on the pockets. He, he wasn't was Rob Liefeld. He was pockets. no Rob Liefeld. No. Yep. <laughs> and I don't know if you know this, Ines, but superheroes need a lot of pockets to well, put their superhero I, stuff. They have a lot of tools <laughs> to carry. All that gear. Yeah. <laughs> Batarang, whatever. I yeah. mean, it should be embedded into their body if they're a proper superhero. But I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I guess Batman needs a utility belt or something. Yeah, you know? exactly. That's it. He's making up for, you know, like, he just doesn't have any superpowers, so he yeah. just has to pouch it out. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. He just has a lot of stuff on his person. <laughs> but, I mean, so I was really drawn to, like, realism, or, you know, quasi-realism in art, or, like, a lot of detail. And I still draw a lot of detail in my comics, but there was a certain point where I also realized, like, there's just certain things that I don't just don't like drawing. Like, I think you could go through all my comics... Not orcs in space, because there's a lot of them, but in all of Titan, for instance, I don't think you'll ever find a nostril. Because I like, just don't feel like drawing like a nose. Like, you draw a nose, and then you got to like stick a nostril in there. I always mm-hmm. feel like it's weird. Or a fingernail. I hate drawing fingernails. Like I'm never going to draw a fingernail on a hand. God, there's so many of them. There, you know? There, yeah, it's like 10. You know? It's <laughs> irritating. I get paid by, you know, like... Uh, I get I paid get by the page, not by the fingernail. What I get, I get vibes from Titan. I get Alison Bechdel vibes from Ooh. your characters in oh. Titans. <laughs> and I thought that as soon as I was slipping through and I got to the sexy bits. <laughs> another spoiler alert. There yeah, are exactly. some sexy bits. Uh, 
The sexy bitch and come I'm not, at you. Listen, my knowledge. <laughs> I volunteered for this interview. I don't know why, because my knowledge of comics such are. I am a, a massive prude. <laughs> um, but no, my knowledge of comics and comic artists is very limited. I don't know why I wanted to jump on this right away, but I that is one I know, and it did ring a bell. Well, and I <laughs> hope that's as complimentary as. <laughs> She has a very famous test named after her. You know, that, so. that, that works for me very well. You know, Allison is like a real master of like doing that spot color, which is like something, it's like a style where you have like black and white and then you have like another color. So it's not like full color. It's not black and white. And to me, that's like a sweet spot. I love it. Um, I feel like it works for like the way that I draw because it's like, it's a way to add detail, shading, form. But it's something like, you can be like less technical than like say like Jim Lee where you're doing all the or maybe Scott Williams his inker where you're doing all the little cross hatching and shading and mm -hmm. instead you're just focusing on the forms and everything so uh, you know Allison really does that really well in her books so uh, for me that that that's sweet as well you guys are just Great. very nice I like that you're good at complimenting compliment <laughs> success did anyone ever give you a compliment that you're good at complimenting because uh, you are I'm taking it I was gonna say Thank also so like much. just the um, Coming out of Titan, um, the I'm presuming the choice to not be like a traditional black and white, even though it is just two colors. So was that always your vision for it, or was that like something a publisher? You were just sort of like, no, I'm going to have this color. And then how do you land on the color? So that was <laughs> always my vision for it. And Titan, before it came out in these books, was like a, like a fanzine, you know, like a mini comic that okay. I published myself or published with some friends. And I have always loved um, spot color. I always I come from a kind of a printmaking background. I like I'm into screen printing. I'm into letterpress printing. And there's something and there's something that's always been uh, appealing about it. And I'm also like a nostalgist. I'm like into oldie timey stuff. Mm -hmm. And you know, like you go through like old magazines or old. Uh, old newspapers or something, and there will be sections that are, even when I was a kid, you know, there was, like, the penny saver that had, like, all the advertising for, like, the local paper, and yes. it would be, like, in black and white and yellow or black and white and red because yeah. it was cheaper back in the day. Like, that's how you printed it, and I love that. I always, it always really appealed to me, like, as a way to draw things, and then I think, like, artists like Dan Klaus, like you mentioned, with 8-Ball, yes. with Ghost World, um, Alison Bechdel, um, with uh, Are You My Mother, and... Um, the book that she did before that. The, the one about the dad. <laughs> the even more the famous dad. book than that one. <laughs> Spoiler, he's probably gay, we think. It comes up a lot. Okay, anyway. <laughs> I just portrayed my bona fides. Yeah. But, um, you know, like I love that style and that look. So that was from the get-go. That was like part of my vision about how I was going to do Titan. Mm -hmm. And then the cool thing was I, I did five issues of Titan in, in, in issue format. And I did a different color for every every issue. Okay. Like, I did a very pink, rosy kind of color, which is the color that the book ended up being with Oni in English. Yeah. But I also did blue, purple, orange, all sorts of different colors. Yeah. And was there, there, is there a... Uh, the English and French are different tones of pink. That is correct. <laughs> That's correct. My, my, my French publisher, he, he pushed me. I was, like, I was like, well, we can do maybe a pink or maybe an orange or maybe a purple. Yeah, this is yeah. You're right. This is more of a a, a mauve. A mauve. <laughs> yeah. It's a mauve. Wait, 
And he said, let's do mauve. I want to <laughs> do mauve. Because he thought mauve was weird. And he, he was like, we're going to do purple. It's going gonna, it's gonna to feel weird. It's going to look strange. It's going to look alien in science fiction. And I was like, let's do it. And I, was, I had a lot of fun listening to him. But I always knew that if I ever did it in English, I would do it in a different color. And I d went back to like kind of like the rose kind of color. That, the, the original rose color was in, uh, inspired by the song by Nick Drake, the Pink Moon song. And mm -hmm. um, so that was always in my head, like a color that I wanted to have in the book because it's sort of romantic. It's sort of like what you might not expect in a science fiction comic about like a worker revel but there's romance. revolt. There's as, romance. As, as Ines said, there's a sexy part. Very <laughs> sexy. <laughs> and, uh, and even then, and I mean, not... I don't want to spoil too much for Titans, but like within, I think the first like four or five pages, you're like, oh, there's probably a romance coming, and then you deliver. Like that's I, good. Yeah, that's at good. least I, as I was reading it, I was like, okay, there, there's like. But you have such a tender heart. You see true. love. It's Just sooner. I feel people zipping out of spacesuits is very like provocative. <laughs> So that was my that, that was uh, inspired by Barbarella. Uh, oh, the, the, yeah, because I was like, oh, this is gonna be great. I'll have like people getting out of their spacesuits, and they'll be all sweaty, and yeah. I'll be like, and it was very much inspired by the the famous opening sequence. Yeah, that the, the, the comes off and so the good. hair toss, hair so toss good. off the helmet for sure. Uh, the other thing I wanted to ask about, I guess Titan, um, and I'm always you you've already like you you dropped Nick Drake. I'm always interested in like the other art that inspires an artist that's not necessarily visual. Right. And like with Titan right away I was going to ask you was like like you decided to make like music a important part of it with Phoebe and everything. So what music I guess inspires you as an artist even though it's not necessarily a visual medium you've already like alluded to it. So go. <laughs> you, you know, I mean, it's like really, it's almost like hokey to say, but it's like, I'm like one of these like, oh, I like all kinds of music kind of yeah. people, you know, <laughs> like it's, it's kind of lame in a way. Like, I wish I was just like straight up like, oh, you know, like only um, shoegaze or something like that. But yeah. it's, uh, th th it's not true. I like listen to a lot of different stuff. Like, I'm not that cool. I don't like, the, you know, I'm like, I'm not a head. Like, I don't know, like... I think that we're in all kinds of music kind of crowd over For here. For sure, yeah. yeah. We're a little... I think that's that. the way to go. <laughs> I dabble. Know? You know, yeah. I dabble. I just, I just get it. I, I try out different stuff. I like it. Um, with Titan, like you said, I was definitely very much inspired by music. And, like, that was always something in my mind when I was working on it. I was always thinking, like... Because early on, I, I came up with the idea of titling all the chapters after songs yeah and that was kind of really fun because it inspired like definitive actions and definitive moments in the story yeah you know i would sit there and i would s say okay like so what is the first chapter going to be called and i would like think about different music that i liked and i would say okay well, it's going to be x it's going to be far far away by wilco or yeah. it's going to be life during wartime by the talking heads or it's going to be 99 Problems by Jay-Z. Like, and then, then the sometimes, it, it didn't, all, you know, it, it doesn't work in a one-to-one one -one ratio every single time. Yeah. It's circular. But sometimes I would think about the song, and that would inspire elements of the, the, what happens in the story. Mm -hmm. Other times I would think about the story, and it would inspire what kind of song that I wanted to work on. But I know that definitely... I find I'm not a musician. I've never had the talent for music. I've tried a couple times. I'm just not good at it. But I, l 
I love music, and I think it's like really, you know, it's a it's a universal art in some ways, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and I I hint at that a little bit in Titan, you know. There's there's moments that reference like say um, Brazilian music that it was right. really important to me uh, at a certain point in my life. I don't speak Portuguese. Why was this music important to me at all? <laughs> um, but the the story that I'm telling is a story about culture clash and yeah. about a story about like people from two, literally two different worlds who are coming together. Yeah. And very early in my process, I was like, well, why are Phoebe and Joao, like, what's the first thing that they meet cute about? Yeah. And well, I was like, oh, it'll be music. music stuff. Yeah. And you know, because that's happened to me so many times in my life where I meet people and I'm like, oh, like. You like the faint? Cool, I like the faint. Or you like cat power? Cool, I like cat power. Or you like uh, Joao Gilberto? Cool, I like Joao Gilberto. And you and like and you just so talk, you know, yeah. like or I don't know, you like Limp Biscuit, you know, just to like to like make sure I wasn't like like name checking cool <laughs> stuff. And uh, like and you just you connect over something. And I've connected with people all over the world about music, you know, yeah. like. Um, you know, like, and do you listen? Do you listen to a lot of music when you're when you're drawing? Or? I do, I do. Well, it depends. A lot of times when I'm drawing, I listen to like podcasts or audiobooks okay. because, like, I'm one of these like I like information and and literature and all that BS. <laughs> and a lot of the times when I'm writing, though, because I can't write and listen to a book, that's right. not going to work at all. So I'll listen to a lot of music. You're sort of I'm like, writing. I just wrote The Great Gatsby. What yeah. the? Oh, it's because I was listening to it. Was, it's so great. <laughs> it's The Greater Gatsby. It's going to be even better. <laughs> I, I have that all the time where I'm just like, when I'm typing something and listening to some, like, listening to even podcasts or even songs with lyrics, I'll just, like, type out what I'm hearing. And I'm like, nope, that's the lyrics to what just went in. I was like, that's incorrect. That's not what I was trying to say. Get out of here. Although so. I'm into, I'm, I'm really, I'm into <laughs> ripoffs basically. Oh. Like that's <laughs> my, like that's one of my things I'm into. I'm, in, I'm my, one of my mantras, someone else said it, but I don't remember who it said, who said it, but well, I'm going to rip it off. So yep, I'm like, ripping it off. <laughs> less reboots, more ripoffs. And I love that concept. Like let's not bring back the past every single time. And like, like an homage to something, yeah. but let's just rip off stuff. And yeah. so like, you know, Titan is ripping off all kinds of different things. My next book, Blue Moon, is going to rip off all kinds of stuff. And I, I like that. Like, I, I, to me, it's, it's, it's inspiring. It's exciting. I think that there's a very rich history of people ripping off other people. I mean, I think you can rebrand it as homage without necessarily saying rip-offs. I think you can say homage. Quote-unquote homage. Yeah, exactly. References. References. Yeah. No, because I'm like... I'm asking about the music for, for two things because obviously talk about comics. One, they're both these are both Jim Mafood related, wearing my love for him on my sleeve. Was one that he used to always have um, on his like uh, like the short forty ounce comics or whatever. He used to always have the like mixtapes on like page one or page two hidden somewhere. So you'd be like, here's the mixtape for this comic. Yep. If you want to go check it out. And two, when he was doing some original art for me. We were talking about a black and white piece, and he was like, yo, I put on a bunch of funk, uh, got high, and now it's a color piece. <laughs> Hope that's okay. I'm like, I'm not going to be bummed about it, man. Like, You're like, I'm going to roll with the flow. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Being like, you listen to a bunch of like uh, George Clinton and Parliament Funkadelic, and color spoke to you. We're in business. It's fine. You know, the, the, the another comic that I read in the 90s that was, like, early for me and also, like, really influential for me was THB by Paul Pope. 
Okay. And in the first issue of THB, it's the same thing. Yeah. That he does a like this is a, he does like a little listening list. Yeah. Of the the music that he was listening to, yeah. and you know, like when I was re- reading that, what was I like, fourteen years old and like really nerdy? So like being like Johnny Cash and like uh, the Velvet Underground and um, uh, the other Nick, not Nick Drake, but Nick the Cave. Nick from Nick Cave, exactly yeah. the <laughs> Nick Cave from Australia. I was like, like my mind was blown. I was like, who are these people? Like this is like this is before I was even a like. Uh, like want to be hipster or want to be punk or anything, and I was just uh, like, so comics was connected with music right from the start. For yeah. Me. So so is there any like music that like sticks out while you're drawing? Is there do you have a go to if you're like, oh, this is my album? If I'm like having a hard time hitting pen to page, do you have like an album that like? Um, hmm. I don't know if I do. I mean, like, I, I I might like listen just to the same stuff, but it's I don't know if it's connected with the create creative impulse. Okay. You know, I listen to like. I'm boring. I listen to the music that I liked like 10, 20 years ago, you know? So I listen to a lot of like broadcast, Stereo Lab, Pavement, Cat Power, like all the stuff that I was like, it was really hidden for me, like when I was in my 20s, early 30s or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that is an emotional space that like I'm still like into being in for whatever. Like I'm, I guess I'm emotionally redundant in that way. But uh, that, so, so I listen to a lot of the older stuff and like that, like, that really speaks to me. And then I try and listen to new stuff, and I, I like a lot of new stuff, but it, the, I guess I, I, I have that go-to kind of the safe space, you know, where you feel comfy and you can right. just do whatever. So you're not, like, so for you, it's, I guess, is maybe putting something on. Like, if you're like, oh, I need to fight to, to draw two robots fighting, you're not like, oh, I'm going to drop God. something. More bo- robots fighting. It's, I was like, what did he say? <laughs> I was like, so if you're going to do, like, robots fighting, are you going to put it, like, oh, I'm going to put on something, like, aggressive or whatever to try to, like, bring this out? Or are you just like, I'm just putting a bed for my art to, like, bed soundtrack for my art to, like, play on? Not really, but maybe that's a technique that I should use. Like, maybe I'm, like, I'm not bringing enough to the table. Maybe I need to be... You know, listening to like some guar or whatever. Yeah, and, like, bring, like, bring some yes. Iggy Pop, like put some Stooges on or like Motorhead or whatever else like that. And you're like, now robots are fighting. And you're like, and this is, yeah, guar would obviously. Transformers soundtrack, you know, whatever. Yeah. Exactly. I was going to say, I'm I was the, like, realistically. What is it? It's uh, I am the. Oh, you, got the the oh, oh, you got the touch. You got the touch. The Transformers yeah. soundtrack is You Got the Touch by yeah. Stan Bush. You got the day. touch. <laughs> I, I should just listen to that on a loop, like yeah. just straight out. I was gonna well, say, if great guys, we fixed it. We yeah. fixed the the method. The method, <laughs> yeah. Well, I, this is why. But you, when I, you drop Gore, though, I was like, if Gore does not immediately contact you to be like, we are the official band of Orcs in Space, because they're like very close to being literally Orcs in Space. Well, the, the writers, <laughs> they, they were saying, you know, they were saying like, I like. When I started talking to them, because there was a long time where, like we like we just weren't in contact, because I was like working on the script and they were far away, like they were in LA. And then like in the last year, we've been like more in contact. And I remember one of the first things they, it was kind of interesting because they were like, like one of the Abed, he was like Guar, like Guar is a like uh, like a touch point for me on like how I conceive of this comic book series or animated series or whatever it's going to be and i was like i didn't know that i like i like i didn't catch on to that like from the way that you wrote it so then then that well that just tells you like how collaborating communication you can add those little nuances that are going to make it interesting for you yeah amazing that's i i i had a thought and then your answer just completely like bumped it out of my way oh no i was like it was gore 
It was. Help me out, Ernest. <laughs> um, I'm wondering whether I had any thoughts that I can uh, blank, just blank over here. You know yeah. what I mean? Just trying to absorb oh, all this information. Oh, I got information. it. I remembered. I remembered the thought that I had. I don't remember what movie or show it was. It may have been Stranger Things, but I don't quote me. But the you know you're you're not you know you're being recorded right now. So yeah, it's fine. Okay, <laughs> my listeners are like two hundred something episodes in. They're they're good with this. They know not to take him seriously exactly. whatsoever. But it was a cre- like a director who actually gave actors mixtapes, like era appropriate mixtapes for their characters. And like I said, that's why I think it was Stranger Things to be like you're the bully. Here's your yeah, 80s mixtape. It, it it's children, yeah. and they don't understand. They, they, you know what I mean? I feel like that makes sense that it would be a yeah, show like how with can a you lot of children actors. Yeah, like how can you g- make a 12-year-old kind of like understand what being 12 in the 80s was? Mm-hmm. He's 12 in 2018. You know, like yeah. he was born 30 years after the events. So yeah, it, it was like a really interesting thing where you're talking about like mindset and music was they had made mixtapes. Like, not just like, here's an 80s mixtape. It was... Here's an 80s mixtape for your character. This is the music your character listens to being a, like, 12 or 13-year-old in the 80s. Oh, my God, you give them a Walkman with a cassette that you mixed What now? A cassette? And then they gave them... Yeah, exactly. They gave them a wedgie, (laughs) and they were like, this is the life that you're leading right now. That's amazing. I... um, Go ahead. No, you go. No, 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 you. Okay, I have another... I don't, I'm not going to qualify it as Is it dumb. about butt plugs again? What? Is it about butt plugs? Yes, it is. How did you know? Really? Uh, it is not <laughs> about you said it, you, like, you said earlier, you were like, my butt plug come, is going to come back. And I was like, yes, I've been waiting the whole time. I'm anticipating <laughs> it. Did Should I say bu- that it would come back? I Listen, I make a lot of promises. Build into a punchline for the last 40 no, minutes. I have another question that I'm sure is kind of silly. I'll, I'll call it that instead of dumb. Regarding drawing. Something like this, because I feel like a lot of people who are very good at drawing do not draw recurring themes and recurring characters. Yes. And is that uh, like a big part of like even developing characters, just it's learning huge. how to draw them a billion times in every position ever they could possibly in, sexual or otherwise? <laughs> <laughs> that say with a butt plug. Thank yeah. you. Thank I, I, you. I was going to say footnote also. I guess as a creator... You maybe knew where it was heading, but you're like, I'm going to draw this character. I'm going to have to draw this character getting eaten out later. <laughs> Let me... Um, I know. I think that's where... That's, that's square <laughs> one. And then you're like, wait, I got to put clothes on this girl? <laughs> She's got to stand up now. <laughs> She's got to move around. The gravity doesn't make any sense now. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Honestly, it is a huge challenge. It's one of the biggest, hardest things. Well, sorry. We're talking about sex. I'm talking about the biggest, hardest thing. That doesn't work. But it is very, it's a very difficult thing when it comes to drawing comics. It's just the fact that you have to draw the same people the same way for hundreds and hundreds of panels. Right. And it's very much a challenge. And I wish that I was um, like as pro as some people are, where they drew all, they really design the character before they start drawing the comic, and they do the turnaround, like the animation style turnaround, where you can see them from every angle, and they're like, they, they know everything about the character. I'm not like that at all. I'm very like laissez faire. I, 
I do everything. Uh, it's very impromptu. Mm -hmm. So I just ba I basically I design almost every character on the page, which is to say, like I draw a panel with them and I draw them, and then I use that panel to inform the next panel and the next panel and the next panel. And in Titan, in particular, it was a huge challenge because half the characters in Titan are giants. You know, they're eight feet, nine feet, ten feet, Whoa. eleven feet tall. And the other half of the characters are quote-unquote normal. They're the size of you and me, like six feet, five feet, whatever. And then there's specifically in Titan, there's a scene where like a person who's a larger person and a person who's a smaller person have sex. And I had to tackle that. And that was definitely a huge challenge to be like, okay, like this woman is eight foot three tall. This man's six foot tall. What do their bodies look like in relation to each other? Um, there are also other scenes where like people are fighting or there's like battle scenes or anything like that. And those are challenging in their own way, like kind of like filming a scene of action. But in all honesty, the one that made me like the most stressed out, the most worried was the sex scene because I was just like, I had, because number one, it's like stressful to draw that kind of thing. Cause you're exposing yourself to a little bit of criticism that it doesn't, not everyone is like down to like read that kind of stuff anyway. Number two, then you're like, oh, well, you can't, there's no photo reference for you or whatever, you know, like you have to like make it all up. You're you like giant I mean, woman having be, sex with small man. That's a Google search that <laughs> will lead you down a dark path, my friend. Uh, I would I proceed, but proceed with caution. <laughs> exactly. uh, you know, I won't tell you what to look Google at your own risk. That's yeah, fine. exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I'm not going to make any judgments, but it, it, it is a dangerous place to go down. But, yeah, it's huge. It's super huge, the character design element. And probably if I was a more professional person, I would do more and more and more character development so you really understand what the character looks like. But for me, I always have an element of my, you know, quote-unquote artistic voice that is connected with improvisation, that is connected with just... Intuition. Yeah. You know what? I reject you. Oh, Demeaning your your approach. Oh, that was a that was a reverse double compliment. I like that. That's hard to do. I'm chastising you for chastising yourself, which is uplifting you to negatives. Because I I do think that that's perfectly legitimate. I mean, unless the end product was that from page one to page Total 20, garbage. you had two different characters going, <laughs> in which case I would say, yes, maybe you need to work on that. Uh, clearly, it works for you. And I think it's 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 beautiful that you're so so connected to your characters and your story that you just kind of that you let it flow you know you don't need to you don't need to build a, a, a character bible before you jump in that's well, fine you know well you know honestly i think i would probably get stuck too i already have like my writer's block issues my i get stuck on the details as so many creative people do like where you have the thing where you worry about the world and you're like okay so how does the economics of yeah. oil production <laughs> on the world the, the world of titan work yeah and in all honesty, you probably don't need to know all of that. You just need to move. You need to know who the characters are, why they're interacting, what the situation is, what's the who's catch. Who's on top? Who's on top? <laughs> <laughs> this is what it is. Who wants to on. be on top? <laughs> and then you're good. You're good. You've got yeah. motivation. You've got placement. You've got action, and you're okay. So I, I can't. I can't remember who said it, but there was someone who was like, when talking about the like. 
the pitfalls of world building and trying to like capture like making sure that everything makes sense within the broader world and like the but the like the counterpoint was like nothing makes sense on this world like what right. are you talking about like you're just sort of like oh by the way uh, the social media company influences the election you're like wait that was your that was your world building choice like that doesn't make any sense but you're like it doesn't have to make sense because reality doesn't make sense like as long as there's like not massive holes the level of like meticulous world building could go out the window because you're like nothing makes sense on this world the one that we live in massive also, holes I mean, you know what I'm the talking way about? I like to massive think about holes. it too I'm so sorry Ines. When? I'm sorry I'm just whispering massive holes to Keith oh sorry, massive even, holes yeah you just I'm, I'm no sorry. but you say the real thing you're about to say please no no Ines Ines was still what selling you the go plug yourself holes? massive holes massive still trying holes, to work on the go you know? plug yourself yeah, thing. yeah. <laughs> I like this. <laughs> I'm I just trying to pave the way exactly. to big sponsor bucks for us. Exactly. Ines, <laughs> your, your new catchphrase is massive holes. <laughs> and big sponsor bucks. Big sponsor big bucks. Big sponsor from bucks, massive baby. Holes. But Go sorry, you were answering your question. I just was going to say the thing with world building, too, is I think that it's amazing that you can have this amazing collaboration with the readership, mm-hmm. with the people who read the book, and they fill in the holes. Yeah. Like, I've read a thousand million <laughs> books. Comics, the Massive whatever. Holes. The Massive Sorry. Holes. They Sorry. fill it up. <laughs> they will fill up the Massive Hole. But they can they can do it for you. And, like, they, they come up with the ideas. And I've done it myself as a reader. You know, like, I'm like, I'm like oh, I see X, you know, they don't have guns in Dune because they have these force shields, and so that's why they don't have the guns. And so, you know, you can do the work for it. Yeah. You know, like it's a, like it's the concept of closure. You know, where the audience does something to, and that brings the work alive in some ways. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's been amazing, so amazing with, especially with Titan, because I, I wrote Titan, and I've had. You know, it's like my quote unquote my it's my baby or whatever. You know. Yeah. Well, yeah. You're end to end on Titan, right? Like that's like nothing goes into Titan without. Nothing like, goes in that Vigneault. massive hole without which, which, my. Say which so. end to which end though? You know what I mean? I, all the ends, all the time. Yeah. So like writer, creator, author, and, artist. And but it's been amazing because I like uh, to see the audience that it connects with. It's not a massive audience, not a massive hole of an audience, but it is. There's an audience, and they they like it, and they 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 see different things in it. And that, I'm one of the people like some authors don't read the reviews, you know, because it like it, it can be harsh, you know, like people don't like your stuff. But I love reading re- reader reviews. I read every review. Every press, every newspaper, every website, everybody on Goodreads, everybody on Amazon, because I love it, because it all, it's like stimulating, right? Like, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I infected this person's brain with my work enough that they had to write something about me, whether it's good or bad. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I love that. And you I evoked I, a response. I, 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 I provoked a response, and I get energy from it, and it makes me think about how I can do the next time better, and I love that. Like, I love the work that the audience does to make my work complete. Amazing. Beautiful. Vanessa, are you ready for five questions? I am ready for five questions, uh, but I would like to ask one last question. One last question before the before five. Before the five questions. Before the I would, li- I, w- I would like to ask <laughs> negative, negative one question. Got it. Do you, as, because I feel this came up a lot in the beginning about other artists slash works, do you know of anyone who has gotten a tattoo in sp- 
of your work slash inspired by your work as of yet? Only one time. Nothing okay, that's a, that's a lot already. That's, one, that's it. One if time. someone got your stuff tattooed on them is insane. I thought it was totally not crazy. insane, but like I, I was so I was so delighted. It wasn't to do with any of my comics. I had drawn um, like this drawing of a squid and a, a squid and a whale fighting, okay. and I made a print of it. You know, because I'm, I'm like something that people probably who read my comics aren't even like won't even be aware of is the fact that I'm like really into nature, science, biology, animals. That's a really big for me. And so I did this drawing of a squid and whale. I did a really huge print, like a f- three foot by eight foot print. And then I did a small print of it. And someone saw it online and they were like, can I get this tattooed on me? And I was like, yes, you have my permission. That's awesome. Oh, it's nice that they asked. I was, it gonna, was super I was, sweet. I was hoping, yeah. It was super sweet. I, I, I'm kind of of the opinion that like, Maybe I mean like I don't know like maybe I, I know not whereof I speak but I think people can like kind of like tattoo whatever in some well, ways. I, w- I will say, but it's respectful. Yeah, having having done having the the Mafood piece on me, like I asked Mafood, and then like my friend Sean who tattooed me had the had the similar like immediately the question because a lot of tattoo artists of course are also visual artists so yeah. there's like there is a bit of a weirdness to be like hey did you check with the guy that drew this yeah I, are you making me plagiarize someone's work yeah, right like now you know yeah everyone should I'm sorry. unless it's like so big you know what i mean like i think someone can go get a calvin and Hobbes tattoo without writing to the estate you I, know, yeah exactly like, you can get I, an I andy warhol tattoo in general of what I, I just said I, I i was being like too extreme I, but I, I understand. There's no one. too there's libertarian some, some, in my yeah. concept of things. Yeah. But honestly, everyone should ask. You should if you like some piece of art, because 99.9% of the time, the person's gonna be like, "Sure, tattoo that on your butt." I think they'll just feel good that you that you want their art and you appreciate it, but that you're not just seeing it out there and being like, "This is for the taking." I think people just want to feel. Yeah. It's really, really, really acknowledged true. as like the person that someone created this. That, yeah. that it isn't like. Not to say that no one created clip art, but it's not just like out there for you to grab. It's yeah. someone's it's, it's work, it's and that they put their soul and. It's weird time because into I it, feel you know? that like as the person getting tattooed, you're like kind of the middleman. Because I was like, as the person getting tattooed, you can put whatever you want on your body. Oh yeah. But as like I'm gonna pay another artist to draw a second yes. artist's thing it's on a me. Client kind yeah, of thing. exactly. That's it. It's like yeah. as the middleman, you can get whatever you want. And on I mean, your body. <laughs> I, ha- I have a tattoo um, that was drawn by someone who's not a tattoo artist, but I purchased the drawing for them. You know, yeah. like I, I paid them to draw this for me, and then I went and paid the uh, tattoo artist yeah, to exactly. do it for myself. Now, if someone's already made a drawing for the whatever, re- they've already made it. You know, you're not getting free art from them in that sense, but it's nice to involve them in the process. It's I nice think. to like, check. Yeah, like it's <laughs> all, you know. I just think it's nice to appreciate that someone worked on this. You yeah. know, that it was their work, basically. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But you, listen, you get to, everyone go get all of Titans tattooed. Yeah. Whoever's listening, please get three pages of Titans tattooed on your back. It, Don't tell me about it. Don't tell them. Monetize it. Yeah. Make an NFT of it. I, no, actually, I'm not, the, no, I, I mean the opposite NFT. of what I just said. <laughs> Please don't do any of those things. I'm <laughs> poor, and I would like your money. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Fair should enough. I should I get us started? Sure. Well, okay. I'll introduce the thing. You'll ask question one. So you we ask the si- we we ask our guests the same three questions every episode. Then the fourth question is our previous guest asking you a question. Okay. And then the fifth question, I will tell you what the fifth question is right now. It is 
what question would you like to ask our next guest? Oh, my God. So you're going to have that in the back of your head. You're going to have to ask a question. I know that seems daunting, but you're about to hear the questions, and you'll realize they're, all, they're, they're pretty low stakes. This is some straight game theory stuff right here. It's like, <laughs> what is going to happen? I'm, I'm afraid. Ines, kick it off. Okay, question number one, sir. What do your thoughts sound like? caveat if they sound like anything at all what do, what are your how do your thoughts manifest inside your head fair yeah i definitely am an internal monologue type of person okay i i think in language for sure um i don't necessarily believe that language is the form of thoughts in all people at all times but i definitely am always like having one of these running monologues in my brain um that is sometimes directed sometimes not sometimes if I direct it, sometimes it's directed in French because I'm an Anglophone first, a fr Francophone second, and I try and make a point of being like, okay, well, I'm going to think in French. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to conceive of this in French. Can I get ahead on this? And a lot of times it doesn't work. I'll just default back to wondering about like what the world is like, and I'm always rehearsing things in a sort of vocal mm. way. I'm one of these people who... If I'm left alone for too long, I definitely am a person who talks to myself. Oh, like, like out loud? What was that? Out loud or just like... Oh, I, like li literally I'll talk out loud, yeah. Okay. Yeah, you got I won't. I won't do it here at the bar, but I will do it on the bike on the way home maybe okay. or oh, um, just around the house if my girlfriend is out because like, she is she living her normal life, right? Yeah. Like not working at home as we all have been for the last two years or some of many of us have been. I'll just talk to myself I'll, or I'll talk... That's why having a pet is good. Yeah, you I was going to say, I was pet. like, I will talk to the pet. And I'm like, this oh isn't crazy. I keep, I, I was going to, I have three follow-up questions. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but but they're going to be lightning round. So <laughs> Do I have a pet? Yes. Yeah, yeah. What's the pet? Sam. He's a cat from the oh, alley. Wonderful. Great. Second, I, I thought, so which, did you write Titans in English and then translate it the other it, way around, right? French no, first? No, no, exactly. I wrote it in English. Oh, okay. And then okay. I worked with a translator, Alexandre Fontaine Rousseau, who is okay. also a brilliant writer and creator of comics also. And okay. I worked with him on creating the translation. But I'm hashtag blessed because I can, like, understand the translation. Right. So you can, it, like, sign off yes, on the... Yes, and okay. I can be like, no, no, you're not getting the point here. Or, like, there's a little tweak here. Like, it's not like I'm being translated into it's Russian like or something. Yeah, and giving I'm like, the, yeah. That's done, yeah, comrade. You know, like, yeah. it's... Uh, like, I, yeah, I just okay, I, I thought... I misunderstood something earlier where I thought the French had come first. And I was I was so it's admiring of you having written a, a, a book in, this in is not your first language. My goal in life is to confuse people because I, my name is Francois. Uh, that's my real name. I'm an Anglophone yeah, person. Vigneault, I'm from the United States. <laughs> you could not be more Quebecois than Francois Vignon. But I... like As soon as any Francophone person hears me speak, they're like... What is that guy's problem? He's like, like, does he have a mental issue? Like, what's his issue? Um, I've been confusing people from like the day I was well, born. Well, mental issue transitions perfectly into my third follow-up question. Oh. Which I will say as a, as just okay, both me and Keith. But do you have ADHD? <laughs> no. Okay. No. Okay. Cool. Just. Or at least I don't think so. Maybe just checking. I've never just checked check. with anybody, but I don't think so. I think I have other disorders, but not that one. Cool, cool, Fair. cool. All right. <laughs> Just, you know, okay. Just throwing so should it I ask the second <laughs> question now? Uh, question number two. No, you're going to ask it. Okay, Yeah, great, I got great, it. Great. I'm not my one, Do you have ADHD? We yes. Bo we both yeah, very but we much do. We both do. <laughs> we talk about it a lot. 
what was your favorite thing to eat as a child? And this could be a snack or a meal or a candy bar. Or like or a forbidden like piece yeah, of yeah, dirt, yeah, anything, it. whatever. It's a forbidden piece of dirt, isn't it? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I'm contemplating how to answer it. You know, do I do the forbidden piece of dirt or... Um, you know what I'll mention? Because I just think that this shows the, sh the power of culture and... Like, yeah, just culture, you know, media on us. is. I remember I was really into lasagna. I decided lasagna Garfield? was the meal that I wanted. And, like, for my birthday, I'd be like, Mom, make me lasagna for my birthday. But why did I like lasagna? Garfield. Because Garfield liked lasagna. I liked Garfield, so I decided that lasagna no, was yo, great. If this fat cat wants this, I yeah. want this I, as well. Like, I'm in. Like, was he wrong, though? Was he it's, wrong? It's pretty you know? good. Like, yeah, it uh, is like pretty no good. One doesn't, like, no one doesn't like it. Yeah. Um, so as a kid, I think, like... Like, uh, but I don't like really like I don't know where the the media influence of liking Garfield and the real influence of liking good food and like how they mix. I don't know where it stops and where it starts. So mm. I think that that's maybe maybe the topic for your next uh, graphic novel. <laughs> yeah, it's like me and Jim Davis or something like uh, yeah, a yeah, dissection exactly. of the of the. The, the man who ate lasagna because a cartoon cat told Just, him. Wow. You know, a dissection of the, the <laughs> social wow. influence of media and, and our taste buds. Anyway, I'm sure I'm it would be a critical and uh, <laughs> a critical a media darling and, uh, and, a, and, a, and a just a blockbuster hit. A fan hit. favorite. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> okay, question number three. three. What is the best or the worst thing about growing up? About growing up? Yeah. Yeah. The best thing is I think you understand the scope of the world a little bit better. Okay. When I was a child, you know, it's very me, me, or very, like, you're very, like, focused in on the world that is around you or yeah. your era, your time. Yeah, like, your, your immediate vicinity is your world. Your immediate vicinity <laughs> is your world. And then now that I am a quote-unquote adult... Like I'm, I'm like straight up middle aged, and I, I feel it. Like I feel like that. Like now, the world is so vast to me. The stuff that I don't know, and the stuff that I know nothing about, is so huge yeah. that I, I feel like it's really improved my ego. Like my, like, like I'm much more humble than I've ever been. Okay. I'm much more. I really understand that I'm just basically like a dumbass. <laughs> uh, like I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm just trying to muddle through this crazy world. And when I was a kid, I really thought I knew what the f what what the f was going on. You yeah. know, like what what I had a concept of what the world was. I thought I was right, and I thought that I was gonna like tell everybody what was the way to live their life or whatever. You're like, and hey, I've got the answers. I've got it. You know. <laughs> Even if sometimes those answers were, like, really nihilist, you know? They were, like, not an answer, but an anti-answer. Yeah. But now I realize that I just don't know anything. And I think that that's the best thing about growing up. Fair um, The worst thing about growing up is... Overall, I think it's good. It's a little scary, though, sometimes. I, I think that things don't go according to plan. You don't... The 
you don't have things move forward in the way that you think they're going to move forward. Right. And well, uh, that can to be, be fair though, you were a twelve year old who wanted to be a comic artist, and you're a comic artist. So in terms of like getting interviewed on this on this high lux podcast, <laughs> in the back I was of the like, bar, you know? when I was twelve, I probably was like, what's I have a concept of what a, a thing called a like imagine like a radio cast. imagine a radio show, but it's just on the internet. And you don't listen to it at Imagine a particular time. Imagine the internet. Imagine the internet. Like, yeah. Imagine the and internet. And then I thought about the internet. That would be a better band than Imagine Dragons. I'm sorry. Imagine the internet. Imagine, Imagine the, the internet. internet. Or just let's get it's it's like the Facebook thing. Get rid of the the. Imagine internet. Imagine, Imagine internet. Internet. Yeah. I'd Shall we, guys? Me, none of us do music. None Shall we make let's this do band it. happen? We just discussed this. None of I, us are musicians. I did but two years. We're of, now a band. I did two years of clarinet in oh band. Oh my god, me too. What? <laughs> let's do this. And I was double I could, clarinet. I couldn't do that high register because my lung capacity. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and I, I, didn't even, I didn't even smoke back then, you know. I, so we're great I, as long as we stay on the low notes. Do you have any band? Do you have any band? <laughs> band? I, I have no musical inclination whatsoever. Okay, like so I, I'm picturing kind scat. of like you're gonna scat. exactly <laughs> kind of you. We're on the same wave. Like I mean, picturing a, a spoken word kind of thing. Yeah, plus I could do that. two two dueling clarinets. Yeah, <laughs> I think that this is some hot stuff. I think that the people are waiting. <laughs> as soon, and I as do soon? think what we've described so far, the absolute incompetent show of mediocrity that we are that we are imagining right now is the essence of the internet yeah, as exactly. wonderful as the internet is at its heart as soon it's as three idiots doing <laughs> middle things aged, they don't know middle how to aged do. people as well yeah, yeah. exactly i yeah. am 27 yeah exactly ines is a baby <laughs> but yeah exactly three three idiots doing something for nobody but then it being important the internet yeah exactly <laughs> like, wonderful that's, that's the all right internet. Uh, question number four. Uh, we had a pro football analyst on. I like it. Uh, one of the other co-hosts of the show, Chris Vendito, huge football fan. Uh, Fun fact, huh? my girlfriend helps set that up. So, oh, everybody apparently did. Oh, so this, what a small so world. Seth, anyway. Seth Galina went to like m early school with Lawrence, has apparently been on a camping trip with Tyler. Or something like as children, and then apparently yeah. Amanda was also yeah, just knows him, and Vendito was like, "I love this guy," and Amanda was yeah. like, "Do you want to do a podcast with this guy who loves you anyway?" You so know? this is like a pro football analyst who, if he's at his most um, internet influential, he's on what is it, PFF, Pro Football Focus, Pro Football Focus. I want to say, if I'm not mistaken, uh, but like this is a. The website that he writes for and works for, like, they provide analytics and analysis, like, directly back to the NFL. Like, teams hire these guys to be, like, run the numbers on our team. They're not just like, I'm a blogger, who whatever. Like, this is it's some money ball so he's, stuff. He's yeah. like a nerd for sports. Yeah, exactly. You know? Like, But, like, yes, yeah, some, like, actual money ball. Like, their contracts include, like, reporting back the analytics to the NFL teams. Not just like you were me being like, Habs suck this week. Now, this person is guaranteed like uh, orders of magnitude richer than me because that's a good job. Like they, they know what's going on. Ah, I don't well, know about that. Hey. He lives in Westmount. All the riches of the world cannot fix the problem this man has. Which is? Question number four. Um, how well do you sleep? What helps you sleep? He has trouble sleeping. I'm telling you. <laughs> I know. Okay, so to help me sleep, I am not the best sleeper, okay. in, all, in all honesty. And I will stay up late. Um, you know, like my partner, she goes to bed maybe two, 
to three hours before I do. Oh, okay. But I have a rule. I always get in bed before midnight. I like, like, because I will naturally go to bed at one or two in the morning, and I'm like, no, you're not allowed to go to bed at that time. So I set that rule up for myself a couple years ago, and it really has helped a lot. Another thing I do is I never do anything interactive in bed other than with my partner. Uh, like, you know, like, um, sorry, I, that, that turned out way dirtier than I wanted it to be, <laughs> but it just sounded like, I like just didn't want to sound like super lame. But I also didn't want I didn't want to turn turn into I a mean, sleaze bag. It would be pretty lame if you're like to your partner, "Hey, do you want to get interactive in bed?" Or would it be <laughs> kind of cool? No, um, maybe. <laughs> but I don't like. But I don't browse the internet. Right. I don't like. I don't look at like in Instagram. I don't do anything where I might be like have to click on something. I read a book. Like that's the only thing I do yeah. in bed. I think like reading reading a book is also good because it's not gonna like fire you up. No. Like the way a headline might. You're like, no, I'm reading this book. I could get upset or engaged with these characters or this story but or even a true thing. Exactly. It's not going to be like but this I, I, happened I'm in not, the real world. I'm never trying to like jump on the like jump on the internet in bed at night after midnight. Forget it. Like I'm done. Right. Um, Good call. And and uh, do I sleep well? I sleep okay. I sleep like not that bad. I'm one of these people who has like a lot of dreams. I'm a big dreamer. Oh. Um, I am. Uh, I go through like all kinds of different phases of dreams in the morning and like sometimes it's like they're creative, other times they're like about the real world that I'm in, sometimes they're disturbing and I, I like I wake up and I'm all scared or whatever, but I'm I'm <laughs> I'm just trying to deal with it all the time. But those are my those are my suggestions. Nothing oh. interactive and go to bed at a certain hour, whatever that hour is for you. For me it's midnight is the, the absolute latest that I can allow myself I to like go to it. sleep. And question number five. Uh, what question what? do you want to ask? Ah, uh, excuse me. Short shit. What question would you like to ask our ne next guest? Well, now that you asked. Um, he wasn't going to answer before. You know, I'm going to ask for your next, your next guest Yes. to just say, what is the thing that happened in their life that surprised them the most? What is the thing that happened in your life? That surprised you the most. It can be personal. It can be political. It can be historical. Whatever it is, you know. But um, no, something that they okay. weren't expecting. COVID nineteen not allowed because that's everybody. Fair. You know yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah, yeah. Global pandemic. It's got to be something. I have some, to s somewhat from your own perspective. Yeah. Surprising. I have to say, I was straight up expecting COVID nineteen for yeah. years. No, but like, so has speculative like cyberpunk fiction. I, for years, like, everybody I, was like, like global like, pandemic. Yeah, like, some elements of the way it played out were very, very, very surprising to me. I didn't expect them at all. But, like, I, for years, I was like, it's a given. We're going to have, like, a major global pandemic, and life is going to be totally transformed by it. Right. Like, for me, that was a given. Okay, sorry. No. Sorry that the rest are not kidding. <laughs> no, but I, I, honestly, I never would have expected, like, the conspiracy theory level to be so high, um, the... And I'm Anti not trying. Anti-vax is insane. I'm not trying to offend anybody, you know. Like, like <laughs> people, close people. My sisters are both majorly not into vaccination. Uh, you know, like I don't, I don't agree with them, but I'm not trying to like, like, like the insult them. I will say the anti-vax sentiment surprised me. It did. I think like it's, I was like, it's way. Everything is a lot higher, and it's a lot more 
crazy than I thought yeah. it was going to be. But the 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 baseline for me, honestly, it wasn't it wasn't uh it wasn't okay, surprising. So I guess people get to say COVID nineteen. Well, <laughs> depending on how it goes. I just think Ines, that's very likely to be a lot of people's answers. Well, I think you should. Most just, of us weren't. I, I agree that. with you being a dictator and telling them no, they're not allowed to say that. Okay, I agree well with that. then fine. You're not allowed to say COVID nineteen. Yeah, no, 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 no one we're is done. allowed. We're done. It's not. It's over. You. We talked about it in this episode. We're not talking about it in another episode. Ines, you have an answer. I I have one that's weird. What's the mo- okay, you go first. I'll think okay. about it a little longer. I um and this is like I guess maybe because I'm like self-deprecating or whatever, but I've been with my partner, my wife now for like 14 coming on 15 years, and the idea of being like like someone's life partner and that person being like into you and like I always could imagine it for myself. Like, I could be like, I could find someone that I would love forever. But the idea of, like, someone else, like, having that love for me was surprising. I was like, and, like, re- to this day, I'm like, are you sure? Like, do you want to be in this? Like, is this, are you really in this relationship? Like, I wouldn't fault you if you said no, because I have a pile of problems with myself. You should have some. So, yeah, the idea of being, like... Well, but famously, Sarah thinks you are a bitch baby. So also famously, my <laughs> wife. My wife does not pull punches, but has still chosen to elect to be like next to you a lot. Yeah. Yeah, like that. That does she does she listen to the podcast? Rarely. Nice. <laughs> I mean, so this I'm is like, like honestly, there's a lot of these. You know, yeah, this is like 240 something. I don't. Oh, I, I I understand. Like <laughs> like my my partner, like she's like, oh, I'll get around to reading. Like she read like my book Titan, but she's like Orcs in Space. She's like, oh, maybe I'll read it now finally. And I'm like, I've like, honey, you have a lot to do in your life. You don't have to read everything yeah, that that's I it. do. My wife is a very important business lady. So, but all I was just <laughs> gonna say is that like this testament of love that you just did, like about how surprising it is that you are the one for someone yeah. was straight up honest because yeah. you're not just doing it so she's going to listen she's going to be like my man I love him no, so much no she will never hear this she'll never hear it so she that would, was if she did she would absolutely make fun of you all for sure yeah, oh that's exactly. good yeah. she'd belittle it oh you're with one of, you're 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 with one of these rough ones that's good i, I mean she, she's this tall <laughs> and she's very mean. Feisty. Yes. Only to Keith, though, I think. She's like the no, sweetest, kidding, kindest no, person I, in she's general. She's a very nice I'm kidding. I, I, but also, she's mean to me. Yeah, but I, I well, feel I probably deserve it. Uh, I don't know. Uh. I, I, listen, <laughs> I'm not trying to paint the mean wife harpy things. No, 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 no. She's not. She's wonderful. No, but she's she's some, people, some people are tough. You know? There's and uh, we just we spoke of our ex-co-host, who is now sometimes a co-host. He's straight up a mean person, and sometimes those two egg each other on. And it's the worst. And then that's when they're mean to Keith. Otherwise, you both seem to have a wonderful partnership with each other. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I will say that. Yeah. It's all Walter's fault. Pretty Walter much. I blame is Walter. a horrible wife to Keith. I am a, my, I'm a mean person in recovery. Like, you know how like some people are like, like you know, they're addicts in recovery, alcoholics in recovery. I'm like a mean person. I used to be like super nasty to people all the time. And but I'm not <laughs> like I will never say that I'm not a mean person now, because it's not true. There's some sort of mean part inside, because it's a struggle. It's just like being addicted to something. The, all the time I want to say something mean to someone, and I'm like, stop, back off, 
Don't say something mean to somebody. You know what? I feel like I am the same. I maybe I don't back off as often as I should, but I do <laughs> think I was. I it was like I was brought up in one of those families that thought like humor slash love. Both of those were very much hinged on like seeing the the mean thing to say and joking about it. So I feel like I have a very hard to resist instinct for spotting the meanest thing to say in a conversation and saying it, yeah. as long as I can frame it as a joke. Yeah, you I have the same thing where I was like, I mean because I love you. Yeah, but a lot of people, understandably, do not want to be <laughs> spoken to that way. In an, you know, in another, in another, in another era, you would have just been a warrior. You would be always looking for the chance to like. Cut someone's throat. Yeah, I would stab someone in the liver. Down. Oh, you I would, see the chink in their arm. You and you're like, this isn't personal. You would have been like, like it's my job. You would yeah, be revered. You know what? I will start being meaner. You're right. I, I, I agree. Well, I, th- you know, I think it's, uh, it's unfortunate. There, like, there's less and less job opportunity. Like, I for hope mean actually for being mean people. For th- or you might have been a CEO of a of a, mil- a billion. Uh, uh, you might have been hey, a billionaire in another era. Or maybe even this era that we're living in right now. All right, well. I think let's go plug yourself. Uh, this episode comes out on 9, 10, November 11th. Ines, do you have anything you want to plug? Blanks. Yes, I do. But let <laughs> me Professional get a data. Comedian, I, will be, I will be part of a fundraising show. Okay. Um, on November, I believe, 23rd. But I should check, you, you know? You should check. You should check. And it'll be at the Diving Bell Social Club. Uh-huh. Wonderful. Um, Wonderful venue yeah. in the Milan. Yes, November 23rd. Nailed it. I will be doing 20 minutes. Ooh. So will Amanda McQueen. Wow. Steve Patrick Adams. Wow. And Vivith K. A true, uh, you know. Who's who? Who's who of, of who? Anyway, of, right. uh, of Montreal Comedy. And it'll be wonderful. And we'll be raising some money for Raising the Roof, which is a great organization. And uh, and yeah, you know, so come see us at the Diving Bell on November, November 23rd. 23rd. I, I don't know what time. I'm sorry. Probably Google like it. 8 or and 9 uh, or Orcs in Space I Volume 3? Well, I'm drawing Volume 2 right now. Volume okay. 2 will come out in February. But in November, I'm going to do an event at um, a, new, a new bookstore that's on... Um, Ontario, in my neighborhood of Oshlaga. Yeah. Uh, it's... Uh, Z-Jeunesse, which is like the, the kids' version of Libre Z. Okay. Uh, Z-Jeunesse, I guess. And um, it's going to be really fun. I actually am not 100% sure of what the date is, but it's going to be in November. And we're gonna, I'm going to do a signing of uh, Orcs in Space and also my book, uh, 13ème Avenue, I did. And it'll be my first event in person in first physical face-to-face God signing. knows how Other long. Other than this. Amazing. I'm really Amazing. looking forward. So anybody who's in Montreal, I would love to see you uh, there. Perfect. Thanks so much. That's why that was a pleasure. It was awesome. Have a good one. Hey there, loyal listener who listens to the show all the way past the closing credits. Um, Thank you for listening to Go Plug Yourself. We really, really appreciate it. Uh, If you enjoy the show, I cannot stress this enough. Please tell people about it. We don't really have a budget for marketing or fancy facebook ads or putting up billboards on the street uh we really have to rely on word of mouth which uh basically means that if you listen to the show and you enjoy the show 
please uh, share it, link it, uh, tell your friends about it. Say, hey, there's this show called Go Plug Yourself. They talk to Montrealers or people that have stuff going on in Montreal or uh, just people that have stuff to uh, promote that we kind of care about. We can we can go outside of Montreal if we want to. Um, yeah, so just tell tell people about the show. It's a, it's a fun show. We, we like doing it a lot. We've done it for over 200 episodes, and it's in large part thanks to support from uh, people like you. Um, if you want to support the show at all, you can go to uh, patreon.com slash 9to5cc and uh, throw a couple bucks our way. It really helps with uh, the hosting fees for the most part. We're really not trying to make a profit on this. Um, and also, if you want to be a guest on the show or you know someone who might uh, want to be a guest on the show, you can uh, contact us either on Facebook or on Twitter. There's a bunch of ways to find us uh, and uh, and let us know. And if the scheduling and the timing and everything works out, maybe you can be the next person who uh, comes on the show and uh, plugs something. A uh, big thank you, as always, to Leland Beckman and Oral Turpitude, who provided our theme songs. And, of course, a thank you to uh, all of the hosts that we have on the show. Uh, Walter J. Ling, who technically retired, but still sometimes hosts. Uh, Christopher Vendito, Lawrence Corber, and uh, Ines Anaya uh, all, are all amazing co-hosts, and you should support them and their comedy and uh, and all of that. Uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for choosing Go Plug Yourself uh, as one of your from the millions of podcasts, and have a beautiful day. Thank you. 905.cc Podcast, blogs, and comics. Made in Montreal since 2011.